Are you a U.S. service member or veteran who finds it hard to fall or stay asleep? Do you feel tired and sleepy during the day? You answered yes, you might be experiencing a common sleep disorder called insomnia. Cognitive behavior therapy is the number one recommended treatment for insomnia. A new study conducted by the Center for Neuroscience and Regenerative Medicine is testing an online cognitive behavior therapy app that can be accessed by a computer or a smartphone. This study can be completed 100% online anywhere in the U.S. Active duty service members and veterans between the ages of 18 and 64 who are experiencing insomnia and have had a head injury might be eligible to participate. Interested in learning more about this opportunity? Call or text 301-456-5474 to connect with a member of the study's team. That's 301-456-5474 or visit militaryveterandad.com forward slash sleep. Dory 1, this is Fireteam Delta. Dad's coming home. Welcome to the Military Veteran Dad Podcast, where it is our mission to bring every dad home. I am your host, Ben Colloy. I'm a United States Marine veteran, husband, and a father. We will bring authentic conversations to inspire action in your life so we can close the gap between the dad you are today and the dad you want to be tomorrow. This is the Military Veteran Dad Podcast. Welcome back to Military Veteran Dad. This is episode 150, that big milestone in the second 100 race to 200. Almost feels, I, I say it enough, but man, feels crazy to believe that there are 150 episodes out of here and every one of them has my blood, sweat, and tears and editing them, producing them, interviewing all these dads. So thank you guys for continuing to support and give me reasons to keep posting, publishing, and continuing to dive into this mission to help every dad come home. And today's episode is not going to disappoint. If there was an episode that was ever designed for a 150 milestone, this is it. And it's going to hit you probably in the fields if you lost someone overseas, if you lost them in a war, whatever, accident. This story isn't just about losing a friend. This story isn't about losing a brother within a unit. This is a story about actually losing a blood brother. Not in the context that we often throw it around, but in the context of This guy grew up with his brother, and his brother didn't come home, and they were both deployed. That changes everyone. That changes everything and how you think about your life because your life in your home is never the same, let alone the stuff you have on the inside. There's a piece missing in your life that reminds you every day what happened over there. And so just reminding ourselves that not everyone comes home. That movie Saving Private Ryan showed us the story of what it was like during World War II. And we often forget whether that idea might still happen. Well, today we're going to learn that it still does. And there's even policies and procedures still in place in the United States Military Service for things just like this. Before we get started, let me tell you about who Scott is. Scott is an Army veteran, having served six years with the Army National Guard, including a deployment to Afghanistan in 2010. Scott's brother, Stephen, was also deployed to Afghanistan in 2010, Unfortunately, Stephen was killed in action on August 22, 2010. After returning home, Scott struggled with coping with the stress of combat, the loss of his younger brother, and adjusting back to civilian life. In the years following Scott's deployment, he noticed other veterans dealing with their struggles in unhealthy ways. Scott started his podcast, Drive On, to connect with current and prior service members through podcasting. Scott hopes to help other veterans know that they are not alone in their struggles He interviews veterans and civilians to discuss 
personal triumphs, life experiences, and emotional hardships to give hope and strength to the military community. He currently lives in Surprise, Arizona with his wife, Vicki, and three children. This episode is not going to disappoint. It was rich with wisdom, with sadness, but also a story of purpose and finding something on the other side of this. He is also the author of a book called Surviving Son. There is a link down in the show notes. Remember, if you use those links down in the show notes, you are supporting our podcast. Amazon doesn't charge you additional dime for using those links, but they do give us a cutback for the referral. Guys, without further ado, let's get started. And if you want to hear my big takeaway of this episode, hang on to the other side. Welcome to the podcast, Scott. Yeah, happy to be here. Uh, thanks for having me. We are going all the way to Arizona for this conversation, and you are also a fellow podcaster, and these conversations are almost always the best because we're both professional talkers. We're both professional BSers at the same time because we often have to come up with thoughts on the fly. We have to dress things up that oftentimes aren't very sexy and make it sound really good for podcast airwaves. So I'm really excited to see where this conversation goes and where both of our life experiences have actually led us in the same spot. We both have a mission and a focus to serve veterans and help them understand things that we both sucked at. So Scott, go ahead and unpack a little bit of your military history and then maybe where you are today. Yeah, sure. So I joined the military after 9-11. You know, like a lot of us uh, Americans, you know, we're pretty pissed off at what happened uh, during 9-11. And um, having been raised in a very patriotic family, it it was one of those things where I I just felt like a a need to serve the the country. Um, During 9-11, I was in college and I I decided to stay in college and finish that because I I knew myself if, if I stopped you know, I dropped out of college and, and joined the military or, or something along those lines. I, I would never pick it back up. I, I just knew I, I wouldn't. So uh, I decided to stay in, finish college. Um, my, my younger brother, he actually joined the military before I did. And, uh, so he kind of paved the path for me and, and kind of showed me the way of, of, you know, what it meant to, to join the military, what basic training was all like and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so, it was around 2005 when, when I heard a report in the news, and this was about a year after my brother joined, but I heard a report in the news that the military was struggling to meet their recruiting numbers. And that just angered me. Like, you know, where were all these people from, you know, right after nine 11, September 12th or whatever, who were ready to move mountains to go, you know, kick some ass and, and, and fight back after all this. And, uh I realized, well, I am one of those people and I still haven't done anything about it. So uh, I said, okay, you know what? You know, I have no excuses, you know, no good excuses of why I shouldn't join the military. You know, I'm young enough, fit enough, I'm perfectly capable of doing it. So I I might as well uh, join as well. And, uh, you know, especially being the older brother, if my little brother could do it, you know, so, so can I, there's no way he's going to show me up. <laughs> so, um, so that, that's how I got into the military. Um, I, my, my brother and I both were in the national guard. He was in the Vermont army national guard and I was in the Connecticut army national guard where, where we lived. And, um, and so for a few years after, after joining, uh, it was mostly just uh training status. We didn't, we didn't get activated to do too much. We had a few, uh, like natural disaster kind of things, floods and stuff that we, we were activated for to, to go assist with, but it was nothing really too major, uh, until, uh, 2010 where our, our unit was activated to, uh, to go to Afghanistan. 
And so my brother, again, he was in the Vermont Army National Guard and I was in the Connecticut, uh, but both of our, our units fell under the same brigade and this deployment was a brigade-wide deployment. So, so both of us were deployed to Afghanistan in 2010 at the same time. Um, which, uh, when, when you talk to people about that, they, a lot of them, you know, they, they talk about saving private Ryan and, oh, I didn't think that could happen anymore and stuff, but it, it's actually fairly common. We, we had several sets of brothers, uh, deployed, uh, you know, overseas at, at the same time, some of them in the same, uh, platoons even, um, you know, and, and it is uh, relatively common, especially in the national guard where, where you're dealing with local communities where, where you have people, uh, close together. And, and so that, that's how, uh, that's how we all wound up over there uh, in in 2010. Um, uh, sometime around uh, you know late August uh, of 2010, my my brother's unit was out on a mission and uh, they got ambushed where he was tragically killed and uh, and so that was a just a terrible day, terrible situation and and so that that was kind of like the. Uh, the peak of the the crap that that you could deal with in, in the military and uh that that i had to to deal with and uh you know ever since coming back home you know things just weren't quite the same for me you know dealing with ptsd and uh you know the guilt survivor's guilt and all, all that kind of stuff that that goes with it um that that's kind of where my my time in the military ended uh, i got out shortly after that and um you know since then i've just been kind of dealing with with all of that and and trying to do the best that i can uh you know with uh what i have to work with one question i wrote down and i can only imagine the crap and the, the shitty thoughts that i mean that that had to be that shift had that factory had to be going on three shifts of all the shitty thoughts that your brain can produce. And you're like, man, I just got rid of that one. Now let's produce another one. I'm wondering, did you deal with it at first? Or was it kind of a denial that like, cause the one thing the military really offers you is this massive, big giant opportunity in front of you to just suck yourself into work and not deal with it. Right. Well, you know, one of the things, so the day that he was killed, I was also on a mission and we, we were out in this remote village. We flew in the night before on, on helicopters. And, um, you know, I got a call on the radio from the commanding officer of, of our, our unit. And, and he was looking specifically for me, which anyone who knows the military chain of command, the, the commanding officer is not usually looking for an enlisted, you know, lower enlisted guy, unless, uh, unless something really good or really bad happened. And, and so, um, you know, at first I'm, I'm thinking, okay, I didn't do anything extraordinary today. So what did I screw up? And I'm, I'm trying to figure all that out, but, um, you know, the, he gets, he gets to me and, and, uh, we, you know, we get, get together and he tells me about my brother. Um, and, uh, you know, so like anyone else, I was, you know, a, a mess, but about 20 minutes after finding out about him, uh, we, we started taking fire from the village that we just came out of uh, RPGs and small arms fire and all that, that kind of stuff. And so I had to put that grieving aside, like right then and there and jump back into the fight. You know, I, I had guys I was in, in charge of, I, I had to lead them, uh, you know, as a squad of uh, soldiers. And, um, you know, I, I had to just kind of put that, that personal issue aside and, and just jump back into 
the fight because you know the last thing in the world I wanted to have happen was have anything happen to any of my guys because I didn't have my head in the game. And, you know, I also didn't want anything to happen to me and have my parents get a second knock on the door, or have my wife or, uh, you know, son end up losing me as well. And so, you know, I, I knew that, yeah, this is a shitty situation, but I need to just get back into it. And it was hard for me to pick up the grief after that. Um, the, the grief turned to anger and, um, and, frustration and, and all, all the other negative, bad emotions. And, and it, it was just hard for me to, to properly, you know, just be sad. You know, it, it was anger that I was feeling. Um, I was angry at the people of Afghanistan for not being able to handle their own, uh, business and requiring people like my, my brother to, to come there and get killed. Um, you know, I, I was just angry at a lot of things. And, and so, you know, it was, it was really hard for me to, to jump back into it. And, um, you know, I, I tried for a little while to, to just dive back into the job. Um, but I found myself just not caring the way a good leader should. And, and I knew it was time for me to, to step away from that. Um, you know, I, I just, I, I had, it was just really like a numb feeling that I had, like everything just, I was either angry or I felt nothing. And, and it was, it was hard for me to really do a good job. Um, you know, and, and so that, that's when I knew it was, it was time for me to, to kind of step away. Take us to the day where you became sick and tired of being sick and tired and decided to make a choice to start living. Yeah. So, you know, kind of a rock bottom moment for me was uh, a couple of things really. One was when I would get angry and frustrated, I, I would do this thing where I'd, I'd kind of just like grit my teeth. And I noticed my, my young or, or my, uh, my oldest son, um, who's the only son, uh, only child we had at the time. Uh, he, he started doing that too. Like any, anytime any little thing would go wrong, like he, you know, the, the show he wanted to watch wasn't on or, or something like that. He would just like get this really frustrated and he, he would like start gritting his teeth. And I was like, man, that's ugly. That, that's like looking in a, in a mirror and, and seeing this, you know, bad reflection of myself in, in him. And that, that's not what I wanted for him. And so I said, okay, I, I know something needs to change. I didn't know what needed to change at that, at that point, but I knew something needed to, to change because whatever I was doing wasn't, wasn't working. Um, and you know, another time I, I, our, our dog, our family dog got, got sick and she threw up on the, the bedroom carpet. It was a white carpet and she was just like a few inches away from the tile bathroom floor where it's so much easier to clean up. Um, and I just started, I flipped, flipped my lid and I just started screaming at the dog and, and just, I was just going absolutely berserk. And I was like, what is this helping? This isn't helping anything. I'm, I'm, I'm yelling at a dog who first off doesn't understand what I'm saying. And second off is sick. And that's not exactly making her feel any better, you know, in, in that situation. So, you know, my wife and I were like, okay, something needs to change. And, and I, I said, you know what, I, I need to go get help. And, and so I went to the vet center and started counseling there and, you know, th that helped uh, helped me kind of overcome some of the anger issues that I was having. You know, it wasn't a hundred percent perfect. I still had to work on some of those, those issues, but, um, you know, where I decided that I didn't want to 
just continue being, you know, going down that path. Um, you know, it was, it was when I realized that I've been given an opportunity that other people haven't had, you know, my, my brother, he only lived to 25. He, he didn't have the opportunity to get married, to have a family, to, uh, you know, grow old and, you know, experience life. And I did, um, you know, and if I went and just lived through the rest of my life, you know, for the next however many years that I I've been afforded to, to live here and I just blow it, you know, what is that saying, you know, about the, the, the people who couldn't live this, this long, you know, what, what's that saying about people like my brother who sacrificed himself so that we could have a, a good life so that we could live free and that we can, um, you know, not be, uh, under the, the constant threat of, you know, terrorism and all, all, all things like that, you know? So I said, you know what, I, I need to respect his sacrifice and, and do the right thing, not only for, for him, but for, for my family and, and for all the other people who, who fought for us and, and, sacrifice themselves, you know? And, and so that, that's when I decided, you know, I, I need to, to make this change and I need to make this change stick, not, not just be a, you know, uh, you know, uh, like a yo-yo and go, ha having the emotions going up and down and up and down. And, and, you know, I, I, I realized I, I need to do something to make my life better and, and make it better for those, those around me. I want to pause here for a moment, because if, I don't know how many episodes of our podcast you've listened to, but if anybody has been listening to this podcast, who's been listening for a while, you would have picked up what Scott just said has been essentially what I've been hoping that you heard over the years of we came home and they didn't. And every day that you don't live a life worthy of the gift that they gave you, you are doing a disservice, not just to who a best friend you lost, but to all the brothers and sisters that didn't come home that there is always kids out there that never get to feel their kids love again, never get to feel their father's love again, never get to feel their mom's love again. And every day we're feeling sorry for ourselves. Does it disservice to the gift of life that we get to live and choose every day? And John Lee Dumas, who owns Entrepreneur on Fire, taught me this lesson. He was an army cavalry officer in over there in Iraq. And when he came home, he lost, I think, 12 soldiers. And he put his hand on their coffin and said, I'm going to create a life worthy of the gift that you gave me to choose life and be here. And the man runs a multi-million dollar empire now from Puerto Rico. So essentially, he's created this worldwide impact of entrepreneurship, living up to that testament. It's why this podcast exists. It's why I talk about this stuff till I'm blue in the face, to help you ignite that passion, that fuel that you need inside to figure out how to start living again because of those people that didn't come home. They're counting us to figure it out and make it worthy of the gift that they gave us. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I think if the roles were reversed and I was the one who didn't make it home, you know, I wouldn't, I think about what I would want from my, my family and my, my loved ones and, and other people who I served with and, and everything. I wouldn't want them to just crawl in a, down a bottle and just drink their life away and just waste it. You know, I'd, I'd want them to live and enjoy life and, and make the, the most of the time that we have, because, you know, tomorrow's not guaranteed to anybody. And so, you know, why are we wasting today 
with whatever it is that we're doing. Let, let's make the most of it. And, and it's, it's not the easiest thing to do. You know, it, sometimes it's a struggle. Sometimes the, the, you know, other, you know, things that creep into your mind, you know, the, the negative thoughts and, and everything that creep into your mind, make, make it hard for, for you to, to do that, but it's worth it to, to fight through that and, and live a, a, a good life. So you've had a lot of time to grow through this, get on the other side of it, figure out what you can do with it. I'm wondering, because often I look at this shit that comes in my life, and it's nothing like what you've gone through, but almost it always shows up that life was trying to teach me a lesson. And yeah. there was different obstacles that were put in front of me that I just kept fucking tripping over, over and over. So I'm wondering, if you think of like your military service combined with the last 10 years, what was something that life has been trying to teach you that you've now stepped on the other side and realized that you can grow from it? You know, I, I think one of the things is that, you know, we, we can't beat ourselves up over the mistakes that we've made. You know, making mistakes is part of life. You know, you look back to your kids, you know, when, when they learn to ride a bike, they, chances are they fell a couple of times before they actually got it right. That failure is a part of, uh, a part of the growing process and you you learn from those mistakes if you don't learn from those mistakes that's when there's a problem you know if you just keep doing the same wrong thing over and over and over again then you're not growing um so i look at failure i look at at the bad decisions that i've made in in my life i look at those as opportunities for for growth and, and opportunities to uh push myself forward and and become a better version of myself. Like, yeah, I, I tried this. It didn't work. That was stupid. I, I shouldn't have done that. Okay. Now I know that check, don't do it again. And, and let's move on, you know, and, uh, you know, that's how you grow and that's how you become a better person. And so I, I think that that's, you know, one of the, the most important lessons that I've, I've learned is that it it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to fail. It's okay to make mistakes but it's what you do with those things that, that really matters. I wholeheartedly agree with that because it's almost uh, what they never tell you in the transition out. Actually, maybe pause here for a second because I just had a curiosity. Do you guys go in the National Guard to the same transition program that we go through? Or is it a lot like lightheartedness because they don't think you went through as much as being active duty and had to figure out being a civilian because you're a civilian on a regular basis? Yeah, so... It, it's probably a little bit different. I don't know, obviously, because I haven't been through the active duty side of, of things. But when we first came back from Afghanistan, you know, we were obviously active duty while we we're serving over there. And we went through a uh, like a demobilization process where, you know, we are uh, told about all the benefits that we now have available to us, you know, education, VA, you know, all that kind of stuff. And and they go through a lot of that type of stuff with us. Um when I got out of the, the military, um, it was kind of like a light switch being flipped where one night I went to bed as a soldier and the next morning I woke up and I was a veteran and there was no classes that I went to. There's no, you know, uh, there's no anything really. I, you know, it was, it was like, I went in the next week to drop off any equipment that I still had and I was done and, and that was it. So, um, you know, I don't know if that's typical for, for what everyone. about when, like when you completely turn off your, your reserve component, like when you just become a civilian. Yeah. So yeah, when, when I got out, 
Um, so the, the title of my book, uh, Surviving Son, comes from a, an army regulation called Surviving Sons and Daughters. And uh, that that's uh, basically a provision for uh, being discharged uh, in, under the circumstances that, that I was in where, where I had lost a, a, a sibling in, in uh, combat. And so that eliminated, like I was, I was fully out uh, af- after that paperwork went through um and there was no reserve uh, time mm. after that so it's just uh, like it almost might as well be a medical discharge like poof it's gone pretty much yeah to, so, not like, to your own doing either like it's just like a medical like one day you're in next day you're like yeah you're no good well you anymore. know in in a way it was and wasn't uh, you know i didn't expect it to be that quick of a of a transition where it was like literally i, I went to bed thinking i'm still a soldier and the next morning i get a phone call saying you're you're done you're out um it, I didn't expect it that way, but I did request it. Um, so I, I had to file. This is not an automatic thing, so I, I had to file the paperwork to to ah, have so this. So it's not this something that like they just flag you as no. you're out. Okay. No. So they they actually wanted to to keep me in. They offered me you know a promotion, and they 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 wanted to keep me, but I I, I just knew for myself for my All family the just wasn't that the right come thing. With it? Yeah. Well. Yeah. Exactly. So. What I also hear is because there wasn't much of a process, I'm wondering like because you had this 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 feeling of losing your brother, you've had this tragic pile of shit stacked on, like was there anything that would have made that different or were you incapable of hearing something from the outside world because of how loud the voice was on the inside? Yeah, I think it, the the in, internal voice was was pretty loud at that point. Um it, it took me several years of going to counseling and, and stuff to kind of figure out things uh, on, yeah. in, on my end. And, and so I, I think it was, it was just too loud. I think at, at that point. Because that's often what I've learned through all these interviews is not being in your shoes and gone through something as traumatic as what you went through that voice that convinces ourselves to blow our brains out and to say that we are no longer welcome here and our family's better without us. It just gets so loud that it's just like wah, 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 to everything yeah. from the outside world. And it, all you can hear. And what I've learned also, and I'm sure you saw it in therapy, like the moment you start speaking the voice, like giving it words that are like actually spoken, you realize very quickly, like, wow, that's a lot of bullshit. Yeah. But inside your head, that bullshit is just as, as true as 3.14 equals pi. Yeah. The moment yeah, you it say is. it, you're like, well, that's not pie. That's yeah. crap. Right. Doesn't taste it, the and, same. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. No, a, a big shit pie doesn't taste the same as a apple pie or whatever, you know, but I've never had that it, analogy, but it kind of works together there. Yeah. I think that does work. It, you know, I, and it, we probably wouldn't have come up with that if you didn't use 3.14 as, <laughs> as the example, but, um, but you know, if, if you, you just, keep having that that internal voice and and you don't say it out loud and you you don't say um you know what you're you're actually thinking you're you're right it it you start to convince yourself that that some of these things are are true and that, that you know maybe it's that your family would be better off without you or 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 whatever but when you when you hear it spoken out loud it's like well yeah that's not really true you know there's there's a lot that i i I can offer, you know, that, mm. that I, I can bring to the table. And, and, you know, sometimes, you know, maybe you just need to to hear it said, you know, even hear it in your own voice said, you know, to, to somebody else. And, 
and realize that it's like you said, it's a bunch of crap. It's, it's not true, you know? Um, and, and that that's helpful, you know? And, and so, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge advocate of, of people going to, to counseling, going, getting the, the treatment that they need. And, uh, you know, just, just talking things out sometimes, even if it's not in a, you know, your, your traditional, you know, lay on a couch and, you know, talk to, to the, the therapist or whatever, even if it's just talking to a friend, you know, you, you can, you can have a similar effect by, by saying some of these things, you know, and being honest too, and just saying the things that are in your head and realizing that, yeah, it's a bunch of crap. You you've been, you've been lying to yourself, you know, about a lot of this stuff. And I think when it shows up in the fatherhood category, the part that's almost uh, makes it 10 times more difficult is it's seasoned with the military. You do what I'm told. And mm-hmm. it's compounded with like, I can't handle your emotions because kids are untethered emotions. And you just kind of reject your kids, not as like that you don't love them, but they, you need to do it an arm distance away. And I think what you saw with that early reflection, that's something that anytime I'm trying to figure out where I suck in as a father, because you may think that I host this podcast and I got all fucking figured out. The conversation I just had with my daughter last night was 20 minutes long about how to deal with your emotions. And right first thing in the morning, the exact opposite happened. So even I am still trying to figure this shit out. And I almost always look back towards what are they reflecting that I can't stand? Like what just irks the shit out of me when they show something up? And I'm like, cause usually it's a reflection of what I gave them or it's coming from somewhere else. And I need to observe it, figure out and isolate it where it's coming from. And it's often like what you noticed. It's that gift of like your, your son was grinding his teeth and you're like, fuck, that's me. And yeah. you realize that like, this is a pattern. And the worst part that we don't realize almost till it's far too late is the words that we use with our kids becomes the narrative and comes, becomes their inner critic in their head. And so yeah. we are shaping a lot of that bitch voice that limits us as adults early on for our kids based on how we talk to them, how we parent them, what we don't do, what we do do. And as we, I've talked about when, since I've talked about screen free parenting on this podcast this past year, that it's learning to calm down and deal with your own shit. And parenting has less to do about kids and more to do about us. And mm-hmm. it's that inner reflection that brings you home and realizes that I need to do it my own bullshit instead of someone else's. Yeah, it, you do. You, you have to deal with, with that stuff. So it doesn't become now your child's burden to bear, you know, like they, they shouldn't have to, you know, be, uh, you know, dealing with, with this stuff that, you haven't been able to figure out, you know, you're, you're mm-hmm. a grown adult. And if you can't figure out, how are you going to, you know, give it to this, to this little kid who, who is just trying to figure out the world. And and now on top of that, it's got to figure out all this other complex stuff that you're carrying around. Um, not, not to say that they, they can't be, uh, you know, helpful in the, in the healing process, but um, you know, it, it's not really fair to them to, to put all that on them, but um, you know, they, they can, they can be your reason for getting better, you know, so that, so that you, you have a, a sense of purpose and, and a, a drive to continue to improve yourself so that you become the be- best version of yourself for them. You know, if, if that's, that's what you need, or you need that sense of purpose and then look to them for that and, and say, you know, I, I want to be here for them. You know, I, I want to be, uh, you know, able to see them 
accomplish things in their life, you know, graduate high school and college and get married. And I want, I want to be there for them. And I don't, I don't want to be this estranged part of their life that, you know, I'm, I'm this jerk of a dad that, you know, is, has always just been mean and awful to them. You know, I, I want to be a part of their lives and, and, and be a good part of their lives. And I, I want to help them grow and, and figure life out, you know, as I'm trying to figure life out, I want to help them figure life out as well. And, and in part, as much as I can, uh, on them, you know, I love that. And you teed it up. So let's go there. You are wearing a hat for drive on, which is the name of your podcast. So tell us, take us to the moment you were like, I think I have this podcast itch on my heart and I got to do something about it. Yeah. So this was about two and a half years ago. I started the podcast and, uh, it was a little while after, uh, another one of our uh, soldiers that we served with overseas had, had taken their own life. And I, I realized that there were a lot of issues that, that veterans were having, you know, and myself included, um, and, and other, other veterans were having, and not enough was being done about it. Uh, not enough was not enough awareness. I don't, I don't think was, was being done about it and not enough people were talking about these things. So I wanted to talk to other veterans and give them give them a platform to share their story and in doing so my my goal is to provide hope to to the other veterans who might be out there just struggling by themselves not not realizing that there's anyone else who's ever gone through something similar and so by sharing those stories we 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 kind of feel like oh you know what i that's not, that story sounds like an awful lot like what i'm going through and oh yeah this person sounds like they've they figured it out and they, they made it through on the other end of whatever struggle they were going through. Maybe there's hope for me too, you know? And so that, so that way that gives you just a little bit more, uh, fuel or ammunition against that, uh, that internal voice that we were talking about earlier, where, where that, that voice is like, no, there's, there's nothing for you. You, you, you're terrible. You suck as a parent you suck as a husband, you suck as a, you know, whatever. And then, then you see this, this other person who did it and you're like, you know what, maybe that voice is wrong and maybe there is hope for me. Um, and so, so I like to, to share those kind of stories. I also like to talk to other, uh, other people who provide services to veterans, you know, different forms of therapies and, uh, job career counseling and, and that, that type of stuff you know, anything really that that's going to help out, uh, the veterans and, and the goal there is, is the same thing It's is to give hope, you know, where maybe you went to the VA and you tried all the, you know, therapy options that they have to offer and none of them seem to work, but maybe there's something else out there for you that, that maybe resonates. Maybe it's like art therapy or something like that, that or, or music or, or whatever. And so we, we provide, you know, uh, information about all these different resources that are, are out there working for veterans. And, and again, just trying to give hope to, to the veterans who, who are out there, who, who might be struggling, uh, to their families who maybe don't know really what direction to point them in, uh, you know, to, to all those, those people and, and just try to, you know, be out there working and serving the, the veteran and military community. So on this podcast, we talk about the power of hello. And as a Apollo podcast, you're talking to other people. You understand that on the other side of hello is everything you've ever wanted. The hope, the dreams, possibilities, the disbelief, and the crap that you believe in your head to prove that you're wrong and they're right. And so the question I want to ask you is, out of all the hellos that you've given on your podcast, which one has changed your life? You know, there was a guy that I, I interviewed 
way early on in the podcast. It was actually one of the first guests that I had on, on the podcast. And, uh, his name was, uh, Wes Black and he served with my brother. He was actually, uh, one of my brother's best friends. He, um, he was, um, one of the first people to, uh, uh, respond to my brother after he was, he was killed. Um, he was, he was, uh, you know, just a really a great guy. Um, and he ended up getting diagnosed with, uh, cancer, uh, which was caused by the burn pits over in, in Af Iraq and Afghanistan. He served in, in both places and, and, um, he just recently, uh, passed away, uh, from the, the cancer. But when I had him on the podcast, his, spirit, his optimism, his, his outlook on life was just infectious. It was, and he was on his way down. Already oh yeah. Died. It, yep. Okay. He already had a terminal uh, cancer. He knew his days were, were limited. He didn't know if he had six days or six weeks or six months or six years. He didn't know it was, it was one of those things where he could just start going downhill real quick. And, you know, it, it's, going to be over when it's over. And, and so he, he was doing everything he could to extend his life and, and be there. Um, but you know, like, like us, he had a, he had a son, uh, he had, um, a wife and he wanted to be there for, for his son. He wanted to make memories with his son, no matter how sick the chemo treatments made him feel when his son said, Hey dad, let's, let's go outside and, you know, let's play catch or let's go run around and, and do something. He was like, yep, let's do it. Let, let's, let's go out there. Let, let's go out in the yard. Let's go to the park. Or, you know, if it was, uh, you know, too wet outside or cold outside or whatever, they, they wrestle around in the, the living room or whatever. And, and like, when you think about that and think about all the shit you've gone through in your life and, and realize that, you know, you've never been, and I can't say this for, for you or any of the listeners, but, um, you may never have had that kind of diagnosis. You know, I, I know for me, I've, I've never had a terminal diagnosis where someone said, yeah, your, your time is limited. And yet sometimes, you know, I, I do say no when my kids are like, Hey dad, you want to go play basketball or, you know, I'm going to do whatever. And I, you know, I'm tired and I didn't want to do it. But then, then I think to myself, you know, if he could do it, and he could be there for his kid and making those memories with his kid. What the hell is my excuse? And so that completely just changed my outlook on life. Um, you know, it made, made me look at things a little bit differently, made me, uh, you know, recognize that, you know, our time is limited. It doesn't matter if a doctor has, has told us that we have six months to live or whatever the, the time period is. Um, we all have a, a expiration date and let's make the best of the time that we have here. Let's, let's make those memories with our kids. Let's make the, the time count, you know, the time that we have, let's make it count. So what I love in all of that, it reminded me of something I learned when all the kids went virtual and that <laughs> was every day felt like groundhog's day and acid. And there were a lot of rough feelings on me and the kids. We both had to go through war to get through that two month period. And what I learned on the other side of that, it was like six months after, because my phone started reminding me of things. I was like, I don't remember any of the bad days anymore. I only remember the memories. And then I was like, oh, crap. Feelings are temporary. Memories are forever. But how often yeah. do we hang on to the permanence of a feeling 
and give up the memory opportunity that lasts a lot longer than whatever shitty feeling you're feeling. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, now, um, now that this guy I was talking about Wes, now, now that he's gone, you know, his, his son will have a lifetime of memories of, you know, not, not memories of his dad sitting on the couch, sick as shit because dying, of the, watching the his dad dying. die. Yeah, exactly. It, it, he's going to have memories of, you know, playing and out living. in the yard and, and, and living life. Exactly. You know, and, and that hopefully, you know, as he grows older and, and starts a family of his own, he, he passes that on to, to his kids as well. Uh, you know, if he's fortunate enough to, to become a father, you know, and it's just, it's just one of those things that I, I think, uh, you know, it, we all need to to take a little bit of that lesson and and quit uh, quit being so down on ourselves and and just live life and and enjoy it you know do do the things that make you happy make the people around you happy and you know let's let's just live life within that context is an invitation to breathe in what we've got going on in front of us but also living what we got going on. But I want to highlight something that I've mentioned a few times, but seizing it within this moment is I want to make sure it's solidified for anybody listening is something I call core memories is creating these places where your kids can get in touch with you and feel your presence and ask the question, what would dad do after you're gone? Whether that be after your deployment, whether that be 30 years from now, but having a place that you go fishing, having a place that you just go have a conversation or a common path, you would go hiking or a common trip. Like how often do we not create places where our kids can feel really connected to us when we're not there? One thing, it's only happened once, and it only reached out like a couple of times, is I had a kid, maybe like, I think it was like 14, reached me out on Instagram saying, my dad's deployed and I don't know what's going on, and I just really miss him and I don't know what to do. And I remember the advice that I gave him was, well, think of all the things that dad did with you when he was here, and then go redo those things and be connected with his spirit. Because if dad was really there and he was really present with that conversation that whatever you were in, it's that moment that becomes a gift that you can then access whether he's physically there or not. And whether you're deployed downrange or you're no longer here, they always have a place to get feel connected to you. And to me, that's like how you can create a legacy because your thinking doesn't just expire when your body is done. Your thinking lives on because they have this common place to go get in touch with. This is how dad lived. This is how dad thought. And this is where I really felt connected to him. So I really appreciate you sharing that whole story, Scott, because I know there's your whole story today is one that's going to probably kick a few dads in the nuts because they're probably feeling on the other side of where you were needing to kick in the ass, realizing that they can't keep feeling sorry for themselves anymore and realize they need to get back to living. And if they're not busy living, they're busy dying. And making sure our kids aren't watching us busy dying as well. That's a key lesson. So as we wrap up this last, uh, this episode, I got one question. So if you think of all your 12 years of being a dad, you've got two boys and a girl. What's your best season dad advice that we all need to hear going forward? Yeah, I mean, I think the the, the best advice is to realize that there's going to be good days and there's going to be bad days. You know, you're talking about, you know, the the emotion conversation and, you know, dealing with, with all that stuff that they're, they're people just like you and I are, but they're trying, they're, they don't have the experiences that, that we've had. Um, you can talk to them like, like people, you don't have to, you know, dumb down things and, and talk to them as, uh, you know, as if they're, they're stupid, you know, they're, they're, they're smart people. They're, they're just, they haven't had the same experiences. And so let's, let's treat our kids 
in a way that we can, uh, you know, watch them grow and, and give them the, the right lessons, the right, um, you know, uh, age appropriate, obviously, uh, you know, lessons and, and stuff and, and help them become the type of people that we wish we could have been, you know, and, mm. and, you know, because I know, I know there, you know, people out there who have regrets about what, what, uh, you know, they did in their lives and, and things like that. But, um, it, you know, let, let's, let's help guide the, these kids and, and help them become the, the types of people. Um, but with that said, let's, let's also not, uh, live vicariously through them and, uh, you know, make it so that they're becoming exactly what you want them to be. Like, let them, let them figure things out, but, but help them along the way. I love that. And I always say we're not raising kids, we're raising adults. And as a dad who's lived a rich life as a military dad, we have some of the richest lives of any dad out there. And it's our goal and objective as fathers to help us get our kids outside of their life because only when we're outside can we truly figure out how we fit in and figure out where we can plug into and literally have the courage and the belief to change the world. So I really appreciate you stopping by today, Scott. If people want to get in touch with your brand and find out more about what you do, where is the best place to get in touch with all the different things you're doing for veterans? Yeah, uh, best place to go is uh, the podcast website, driveonpodcast.com. If you want to check out my book that I've written about my experience, uh, Surviving Son, it's available on Amazon. You can check that out. And there's a a link on the the podcast website as well. So you can check that all out on driveonpodcast.com. All right. And I will include a link for the book and your website in the show notes. And remember, if you buy the book within the show notes, it also gives us a little support as the podcaster. So gives the support Scott to sell the book, but then it also gives us a support for referring the sales. So it doesn't cost you any more, but it does support the podcast. So Scott, thank you so much for stopping by. This conversation was exactly what I had hoped it was. And looking forward to the interview swap where I go on your show and you get to ask me all the complicated, hard questions and you get to sit back and just watch, wind me up and uh, watch me go. Cause I really enjoyed just kind of sitting back and hearing your story and not having to do a lot of conversation in the middle of like, I don't mind it, but man, those, some of those conversations can be really, really exhausting as an interviewer. So I appreciate sure. you, but I'm also looking forward to, and you get to dissect me on your podcast. Um, I'm looking forward to it as well. So let, let's, uh, let's make that happen. So thank you again for, for having me on the show and uh, you know, looking forward to sp- speaking with you again. In interviewing, there's a term called interviewing from the scars, not the wounds. This story could have easily been a wound for Scott. And for early on in this story, it was a wound that probably if he would never been able to do this type of interview and talk about it without losing it, getting angry, frustrated, or maybe even shut down. Now he's able to talk about it. He's able to articulate it. He's even able to help people understand lessons about his story. This is a key moment in healing, processing, getting through PTSD, getting through trauma, is when you can talk about it without getting triggered, without getting emotional, and without getting connected to that experience and trying to relive it again. Which is also something I want to tie to my big takeaway for this episode. As I titled it, it's okay to not be okay. In the last two months, life in my life has gone way over the board. There's lots of things that could be better. There's lots of things that are really good. One thing I've been really working on focusing is saying to myself, I'm not okay. Those four words are some of the hardest words, I think, for a military veteran to speak. 
but they are four words that give you power, they give you acceptance, and they give you a reality check. Because walking around that you're okay is just you ignoring what everybody else knows to be true. And saying to yourself, I'm not okay, gives you a window of opportunity to make a new change, to make a new decision that goes in a new direction, to hopefully make an impact in your life in some new way. So, I'm not okay are the four words that I want you to remember and take away this week. I want you to use them in your life. And when you have a crap day, be okay telling someone, I'm not okay. X happened and it's really messing with my head. There is a lot of freedom that can come from that. There's a lot of acceptance and there's a lot of leaving it behind and no longer letting it wake up every day and relive that feeling because, or suppressing it, which military veterans are really good at as well. So remember, I'm not okay. And it's okay to not be okay. As Scott talked about, there is a process where it's okay not to be okay because of what we need to go through. Not every day is perfect. You might think that my life is perfect. (laughs) There are many days that it's not. And telling myself I'm not okay is the key way that I've been working on bringing acceptance to where I am and starting where my feet are. So hopefully that really anchors in this week and every week going into the future. And that Scott story really hits you in a way that helps you understand maybe something you need to begin. Maybe this podcast episode helps you understand I need to go talk to someone because I'm not okay. Well, that is all I have for you guys today. Have an amazing week. Again, no Fatherhood Fridays. So I will be back again with you on Monday.